Over the past few days, failure has been heavy on my mind, and there's been a whole bunch of reasons for that. Race results for the weekend, my own training, and a few other things transferring in my life. And if you can get something out of failure, it makes it a lot better. And this is what I talk about this week, how to learn from failure rather than just letting it destroy you why that might relate to sodium intake, and how I've been dealing with coming back from an injury. This was originally recorded as a live in the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group, and if you want to be a part of conversations like this, please join the group. We'd love to have you in there. We do these every week, and we'd love to have you be a part of the next one. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. We are live. So heads up, there's likely going to be some profanity in this one, as there often is, but I know this almost for a fact, so I figured I'd give you the warning. Uh, We're going to touch on a couple topics that, you know get me a little emotional, and also it's going to be a little off the cuff, so likely going to just speak freely. Anyway, before I really get going, thank you all for being kind and whatever about the post I made regarding my interview with Heather the other day. Um, Safety is something that matters to me, something that I honestly don't think about very much for a whole host of reasons that she and I talk about, and it's something I should have discussed months ago. And sometimes you just need a very public impetus to say like, hey, you haven't thought about this enough in a while to think about something. And that's what this was. She and I had a great conversation about general safety tips. And granted, some of them may apply more to certain people, but they really apply to everybody a lot of the time. And some of the stuff we discussed, I'm going to start implementing because I'm scared of encountering, you know, mountain lions. And I'm just pretty shitty about safety. So... I guess this is just a thank you to this community for being kind and respectful because I've seen some like straight up vitriolic comments on other people's posts about these things. And while I understand the reaction sometimes, um, I just don't think it's helpful. And that's my whole goal is to be helpful. So I appreciate this community of people who are more interested in being helpful than they are hurtful. So thank you. And the interview will be out this weekend. And even if you are aren't particularly worried about your safety, it could still be a helpful reminder about certain topics. I mean, as I said, I learned and was reminded about some things, and you might be too. So, happy day. And while it would be nice if none of us ever had to worry about that for any reason, it is a thing, whether it be shitty people, or cliffs, or mountain lions, or weather, like, all we can do right now is try and change what we can control, and while you, we can also work together for, like, larger systemic issues like you know cultural acceptability of violence or trail maintenance or what have you we can also do a little daily stuff that is easy for us to control on our own and just keeps us safer and typically if someone gives me an either or my first question is like can it be a both and right and in this case yes it can 
we can only immediately, we can only ever affect what we can control. And in this case, we have a bit of control on one end and a lot of control on the other. So I personally am trying to like hit it from both sides and that's all this is. So on that note, um, that is one thing that I, I've been thinking about failure over the past couple of days uh, for a couple reasons. And that is in a nutshell, how I try to deal with failure is to figure out what I can control and then work on that. And granted that doesn't apply to everything and you can't control everything. And sometimes life just kind of screws you over. But the most productive way I've found to deal with failure is to figure out what you can control out of what happened and deal with it. And this past weekend, one of my runners DNF'd his A race and I you know, as a person who cares and, you know, is kind of self-loathing, I felt like a piece of shit for a while. Um, he'd been training it for six months. He put in a ton of work. He was so ready physically. And I didn't really get him across the line. And what happened? Sodium. He took in too much sodium. There's a bunch of heat. And his stomach turned and he couldn't get it to unturn. And eventually the medic pulled him because he just couldn't keep anything down. And he tried for hours at like an intermediary station. It wasn't actually an aid station. It was more like a safety station and just could not get his stomach to behave. And once he pulled it, they gave him some Zofran and he immediately felt better. But you can't continue after they give you that. So he, he was pulled. And what happened was... Early on, everything was great. It was the fastest he's ever been or felt. His wife told me that he was looking great. And then, I don't know, 30 miles in, had an aid station, he had a V8 juice. And the sodium in that, because V8 juice has a, a lot of sodium, um, was enough to push him over the edge of his already high intake. And he ended up hypernatremic. And... This was the I Am Tough. It is a race that has like five or six aid stations across 100 miles. And you will, like the first 21 miles, there's no aid station. And then you get one, and then you go like another five, 10 or so, 10 to 15. And then it's another 10. And then you go another like 25 with no aid station. And it was in that 25-mile gap where all this went down. And there are a few different reactions that I could have to this on my end. And only the third one is one that I find helpful. The first one is one that I just didn't have, but know that other people would. And that would be, well, he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and like, you did a new, like, new thing on race day, right? We all know that, but it sounded good. It seemed to make sense and drank the cold thing and went on his way. And very honestly, it was kind of respectable because he wasn't, hungry at all and he put food in his face which is a thing that we all know that we need to do is like keep our calories up even when we're not hungry when we're pushing really hard so great move um that said not <laughs> a helpful answer on my end or anybody's end i learned nothing from that response uh he doesn't benefit from that in the future nobody that i ever will work with benefits from that i don't get better he doesn't get better Nobody gets better, and that is my whole goal, is to make people better or help people find a way to get better, right? So that one's out. Um, we've all probably worked with or know 
they're like not my fucking problem people at work. And most of us probably agree they kind of suck. Like, I don't know about you, but they kind of suck. If you're involved or affected, it's your problem, even if you don't want to be, uh, even if you think you shouldn't be. Clearly it is because you're talking about it, like you're affected by it. So while you might not be able to fix everything about it, you can probably make something better. So the answer is very rarely double down on not my problem. So what can we make better? Right? Which brings me to like my second thing. This is what I did for about two hours. Get really mopey and beat myself up about it, which is not helpful. Um, But that happened. Because, you know, when you're a coach and people trust you to bring them to a goal, they put their race and, like, success in your hands. And sometimes their life, like when I train someone, like, help try to help someone to get them to the top of the Everest, like, if you don't get a little messed up about your athlete not hitting a goal, I have questions about your, like, dedication. I don't know. I think it should hurt a little bit. Um, I asked one of my mentors once who's been in this space for almost 20 years about... Like, I trained this guy for Everest, and as soon as I, like, set him off to Kathmandu and lost control, like, I just got anxious and kind of afraid, and this was a year after that happened, and still, whenever I have to let go of control, like, I still get a little anxious and afraid, and not quite as bad for runners as when it is for, like, sending people off to Everest, but it's there, and I asked him if it ever went away. He said, no, not really, and... Then he said something really kind, that that's probably what's going to make me a good coach, the fact that you give a shit about your people. And I think this is true for every good coach. They kind of get caught up in in results and when things don't go well, because they care. Like, that's the reason most of the good coaches I know got into this. They care. And if you ever stop feeling that anxiety and fear, then that might be a sign that something is not quite aligned. Like, you'll learn to manage it better but it will probably always be there as long as you're meant to be in this career. And that was really good advice and kind of feels like it sucks. But on the other hand, he's right. I've had a lot of jobs and a few jobs that I thought would be like lifelong careers. And after a couple of years, like the caring kind of went away. At least it wasn't there as much as it used to be. And granted, I'm only, you know, a few years into the coaching thing but it still kind of breaks me when someone who's trusted me doesn't hit their thing. And I really hope I never fully lose that. I want to get better at managing it, but it, I think it's a good sign and that caring matters. So that said, I would much rather like get to number three quicker or simultaneously. What can I fix? And Whatever you think about Jocko Willink, like, I really appreciated his book when I was trying to learn more about leadership. It is extreme ownership, and it says something along the lines of, like, everything is always your fault. It is not only your fault. It might not even be mostly your fault, but if you were involved and you played a role and you didn't like the outcome, then we need to decide what we can do to change the outcome for the next time. And sometimes that's very little And sometimes you just don't have a lot of control. But we can usually do something. We also see this risk-benefit analysis, right? Like sometimes making the change is not worth it, and we're willing to take the risk again to have the downside. We see this in racing. Like if your pace is really high, you might win, but you're at a much bigger risk for something like gut issues or sprained ankles on trails, that kind of stuff. So 
there's always a risk-reward ratio. But we need to be aware of that and what we can change and whether we're willing to change it. So what did I fuck up <laughs> this past weekend? Well, I learned that I have not been nearly explicit enough about how precise we probably need to be about our sodium intake. I should have figured this out in the summer, and it just didn't hit. And I think that's what made this so hard. Is this was like two this year. So it matters a lot. After two, like sodium messes up this mess ups this year, I'm changing the way I do pre-race conversations. I just had one with somebody, and we talked about this explicitly. And I think sodium needs to be a thing that we need to dial in along with our like fluid intake and food, probably even more than I realized prior. I will not mess this up again on my end. I figured out what I can change. There might be more for all I know, but that was a very clear thing that I could improve immediately. This happened Saturday. I changed it Sunday in my policies. So this is a thing we can change. So what can I fix? What part of this was my fault? And every time we have this, like, we can learn to be better. We can use these failures as learning experiences. And that's the best thing you can do, because failure sucks. So we might as well at least get better from it. And then, on that note, a reminder of sodium intake. Sodium should be, for most people, about 500 milligrams to 1 gram per liter of fluid. For most people. Some people need more. Very few people need less than that, but most people will fit into that gap. And the key part is here for, you know, the reminder is all sources. So if you take three scoops of Tailwind per hour, that's pretty much your entire bucket of sodium that has, I don't know, three, 350 milligrams per scoop. So if you're putting in three scoops per hour, that is 150 calories, which might be short for you. Might not, sorry, 300 calories, which is probably good for most people in here, but it is also really high in sodium. So if you decide to supplement with something else, it shouldn't be salty. We shouldn't have the pretzels or the chips or whatever. Maybe you need a lot more sodium. There are some people that can like need and or can tolerate up to like a gram and a half. But if you're not in that boat, then don't eat the extra salty thing if you are fueling a lot with a sodium-laden product. The other thing is you can tell, or should be able to tell, once you're starting to go over on sodium. Because salt will start to taste bad, or weird, or funny, or kind of off, or feel like a salt lick, right? Like, even pretty simple things are going to start to taste not good. And... If our sodium is too high, that is going to be true. If you start to over-sodium and salt starts to taste bad, then drink more water and walk for a while until your body, like, dilutes it out. If you only have, like, salted water, then this can be a problem. And this is why, like, things are really nice to be able to keep separate. Like, for me, I have not done one yet, but on my runs, like, I carry a little extra salt. I have my calories and most of my sodium in two bottles, and I have plain water in my camelback. That way, no matter what, I can tweak it. If the salt starts to taste bad, I can just drink the plain water for a while. If 
I feel like I need more sodium, I can add some. And these are things that we should be able to tweak a little bit around the board, right? Now, also, sodium should not be done per hour. I know I've said this in the past, I'm gonna say it again, it should be per liter. You will often see time-based sodium recommendations from people who are really qualified to help runners with their nutrition. And that is fine. It is probably an indication that they just don't work with a lot of ultra runners. Because if you were even running a marathon up to like three, four, five hours, it's not going to penalize you that badly if you do sodium per hour. You might start to struggle one way or the other, but it is very rarely going to ruin your day. Unless you're just pounding way more salt than is recommended or having none. We can be a little off in that time span at that distance and should be okay. If we're out there for 8, 12, 24, 36 hours, all these things add up and you will absolutely get penalized. You cannot do this stuff per hour, especially if you have these big temperature swings. Right? So if we are seeing a morning start of 50 degrees, then the middle of the day, it's 100 and then the next night we get a cold wave in and it's down to, I don't know, high 40s back to 50, your fluid intake is not going to be the same there. If your sodium intake stays the same for those 24 hours, something's going to go wrong unless you get completely lucky. So it should be per liter. Finally, the other thing I wanted to talk about because of a conversation I had last week with somebody and because of, you know, my injury is coming back from an injury and how we might do this well. So if you didn't hear, I messed up my MCL. Um, not terribly. I think it's still intact, mostly. Probably has a minor tear on it. It was not running. <laughs> it was uh, dancing at a wedding. And um, I was sober for the record. <laughs> and it was just, it was very fun. But I woke up uh, the next morning at 5 a.m. in excruciating pain. And it was not a great time. So I've been dealing with that, coming back from that for the past, I think, four weeks now. Time is completely blurred together between a wedding and a bachelor party and applying for a new job and then another wedding I'm leaving for this weekend. So I have no idea. I think it's been about a month. And depending on what type of injury, you're going to come back from it differently. This does not apply to stress fractures or other bone stuff. Don't do that. If you have a stress fracture, that sucks for you. Get in the boot and deal with it. Um, you need to get off of that. <laughs> like the bone needs to heal. You probably need to eat like extra food because there is a syndrome that uh, I don't even know if it's official, but it like definitely has applied to some people like hungry bone syndrome is the goofy name you'll hear it called. Basically, you need to keep your calories high because it costs your body a lot of uh, energy to restore bone. So keep your calories high, eat, stay off of it, deal with it, right? Now, if we're looking at something like um, a minor muscle tear, not one where like your pec tears off of your entire chest, right? Like you'll see that sometimes and it's super creepy if you ever watch people benching way heavier than they need to. You'll just see their pec, pec separate, not fun. Um, but if it's a minor tear or if we have like a minor ligament injury or something like that, then we probably want to get back to movement as soon as possible, as normally as possible. Now, a reminder, I'm not a PT, I'm not a doctor, I'm not anything that you should take 
blanket advice from. In fact, even if I were a PT or a doctor, you still shouldn't take advice from a Facebook video or a podcast. It's dumb. Go see someone. But I am a guy who's had more than my fair share of injuries and seen a lot of professionals. And my dad was a damn good PT. So, and I've recovered from them mostly. <laughs> and I'll never really forget what he said is whenever I would get hurt, it's like move normally, walk normally, always. And the effort was to get back to normal motion as quickly as possible. So when I separated my shoulder, I got a brace for it. Um, took longer than it needed to, but that's, you know, shipping in Korea. And he'd ask me, like, do you need to wear the brace? And I'd say, like, yes, when, like, playing Frisbee or and at school, because I have a risk of, like, children climbing on me, right? And great, then take it off the rest of the day. Move your shoulder and teach it to be normal and do its job again. And this applied also to when I destroyed my ankle in college. And they put me in a boot, and they told me to stay in that boot for, I don't know, four, six weeks, something like that. And I was out of it in three days, um, for the most part. I would occasionally put it back on if I needed to walk a long distance or deal with something. But for the most part, I was out of it in three days. And then I would like try to walk normally as best as I could. And this helped a lot. Unfortunately, I was also an idiot <laughs> and 18. So as soon as it started feeling better, I would immediately go to sprinting and then sprain it again and destroy it. So, you know, that's the next part of this. Return to normal movement, um, but go light. Lighter than you're thinking, right? If we're looking at running, try to walk perfectly and then try to run at like a 13-minute mile perfectly and then a 12 and an 11. And if all of that keeps going well, you can come back really quickly. You might go from starting at a 15, like a 20-minute mile um, say you mess up your, say you mess up your MCL and you get on a treadmill and you start at a 20 minute mile and that feels good and you bump it up and you bump it up and you bump it up. And by the end of the run, you're moving very well at a 10 minute mile. Great. That's a great way to do that. That might've taken you an hour and you can learn that that's okay. And the other thing that you can use here is a brace, but the thing is they're not a crutch. I know for a fact that after I destroyed my ankle, I was very afraid to come back. Like I had movement fear. And so I wore a brace whenever I ran for, Jesus, over five years. And I know that made it weaker. And once I finally got out of it, it took a long time for it like to get stable again. One of the things that we need to do is like use the brace when you need it and then take it off when you don't. Right now, I'm... Doing pretty well for the most part. Certain movements hurt. Like if I, if I push inwards on my knee, it hurts. But otherwise, it's okay. Um, when I go for a run, I put the knee brace on. And it's just one of these sleeves, right? With some like supports down the sides. And I have it around my calf. And if my knee starts to twinge, I will pull the thing up. And then I'll run like that for five minutes. And if it starts to feel okay again... I'll pull it back down and I will play that game until it feels better. And I've been doing that for weeks. And at first it started off with like 40 out of a 45 minute run with the brace on. Today it was the opposite. It was 40 out of a 45 minute run with the brace down. 
And we just need to move back in slowly, teach your body to do its thing, and work really easy back into it. And if we're looking at some stuff like weight training, you'd be doing isometrics or body weight movement or banded movements or something really light. And if that feels good, again, we can keep ramping up, but go really slow. Like there's no real penalty most of the time to taking an extra week. If your race is next week, you might need to have a real conversation with yourself about whether it's smart to do that race. But if you have two months, like I do, um, bring it back slow. Because the worst thing you could do is re-injure it, right? Then you're out for another month. Like, I, I'm pissed off enough that I lost three to four weeks of, like, good training. I've lost some speed. Um, my cardio is stagnated. It hasn't dropped. It's been frustrating, but it has stagnated. And I don't appreciate any of that. Like, I was really excited with how my training was going, and now I'm kind of pissed. But I'd be way more pissed if I were feeling this way until October. Whereas today I had a really good run for me. And that only took a month. Yeah, a month is a long time. But having had a destroyed ankle for a year, worse, right? So figure out how to go back in easy and then take it that. So that's all I really have for today. Thank you for sticking around for this. Thank you for being a great community that prioritizes like kindness and helpfulness over vitriolic bullshit. When it comes to failure, process it how you need to. And you can almost always, not always, but almost always turn it into at least some form of a learning experience. Don't screw up your sodium. Like take the two minutes to figure out what that needs to be. Took an athlete and I 10 today to like completely figure out a feeding plan for race based on data we've been using for the past few months. But now it's dialed in. And then also, if you're coming back from injury, go light, lighter than you think. And then if you feel good, we can keep ramping it up. And if you need to go up and down, great. Like maybe you're not at that point today. Maybe you worked really hard yesterday and you need to dial it back again. I've had to do that a couple times. But ease yourself in and play the safe game. Again, thank you for being here. I'm going to check out for the night. It is later than I intended. And I will see you all later this week. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.